0: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, how are you guys doing? This episode is sponsored by Mind Bloom. I'm back for a uh, today, then I got to leave again today. And I'll be back on Friday, so you guys will see Tardio here for the next couple days by himself again. But then after that, I am back. I'm not doing any more traveling. I'm just going to knock this out. I'm going to tell you guys, we're going to kick this thing off. It's talking about something about Bo Bergdahl. <laughs> I'm, this guy's an interesting individual. I know that uh, I, I sent you the link so you can actually, I don't know. Did you, did you sift through it? Yeah, I, I sifted okay. it through it. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't want to dive head first. All I saw is that he pretty much got everything that I, I, don't, I don't even know how that could have been feasible. How even, how, how is, how is it feasible? I,
0: I have no idea. So, yeah, they vacated his dishonorable discharge, and the reason that they did it...
1: Probably need to actually tell people who Bo Bergdahl is out the gate. Some people may not know who this, this crusty piece of turd is.
0: Garbage. Most Garbage. I, I, I hope most people that watch this channel know who he is. Like, I've, I would hope. I have a
1: story about Bo Bergdahl. He deserted. He des-
0: He's controversial within himself, but he deserted from his post in Afghanistan back in, like, 2009, and he just straight-up walked off. And then it got really crazy because they found and they started diving into his email. So he walks off his post and gets captured, quote-unquote, by the Taliban, even though it's known amongst his entire platoon that he sympathized mm-hmm. with the Taliban, right? And then after he, like, goes and turns himself into the Taliban, he ends up getting uh, his computer and everything looked into, and they find email exchanges between him and his dad where his dad and him are, are talking about— uh basically sympathizing with the Taliban. So he goes over, he joins the Taliban. Then there was reports that you and I are both aware of that oh, he was fighting with I the Taliban. That's why,
1: I, that's why I wanted to go. I was going to go down that path after you told what happened.
0: So for years.
1: No, no. I, I, want, I want you to, t- to tell he got exonerated or whatever.
0: No, he didn't get exonerated. So what, what, what was it? What they, they overruled his dishonorable. They threw okay. out his dishonorable yeah. discharge. So he's, as of this moment, that's isn't almost, dishonorably discharged from the military. After he pled guilty yeah. to desertion
1: <laughs> yeah. and
0: misbehavior before the enemy.
1: Oh, okay. Now, 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 the reason why this is this is crazy when it's popped up in my... my I made a video on my other channel probably five, five six years ago, legitimately. And Bo Bergdahl was one of the, the subject matters, I guess you would say, because... Back then, I was, I was telling, like, military war stories, and I and one of them was when we were out east. We were basically, like, there was a, a claim that there was an American that was making... Do you remember this whole American... No, I 100% life? do, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. I can... Yeah. The, American, the white guy that was, guy was going around giving classes... The white on guy going work. around giving classes on uh, IEDs. IEDs, and in the
0: same city where yeah. that happened, we're going to keep his name for his family's sake, but a U.S. EOD... Yeah. Uh, military personnel was actually head. killed in the same town that that report came out of. So it's very possible.
1: There's actually one guy killed and one turned into a vegetable because he was standing. That's right. The
0: that's right. But it's very possible that Bo Bergdahl is responsible for that man's death directly, yeah. directly.
1: i not going to say it, but we had some, we did have some pretty credible Intel that there was a, an American that was going around creating uh, and facilitating classes to the Taliban in our area and it might, may, or may not have been this guy. I have, I'm not going to go down the, the speculative path, but it pissed off everybody. One, It pissed off every one of us inside that camp. We were, it was, it was kind of crazy at the time because we were almost hunting a ghost. Like, I don't know. It kind of like, it kind of infuriates me just start to think about it again. Um, But yes.
0: But like the, the biggest thing to me is at one point in time, if if you need more evidence, right? If that's not good enough for you, like here's your firsthand accounts that this shit went down, right? How do I want to? How do I want to format this? <laughs> I don't he him. okay. He escaped at one point in time. It was it was known, all right, through intel leaks and stuff, and and well, I wouldn't want to call it intel leaks. That's miss. We were getting reports that he was literally picking up guns and fighting with the Taliban at the same time. Like, he was shooting at us is what we're, like, basically getting told. And fast forward, he gets tired of living in captivity, and he decides to make a run for it, right? His captivity, which is fighting with the Taliban and teaching classes, he makes a run for it, all right? And he's on the loose for a long period of time, crossing mass amounts of terrain before the Taliban can get him back. And if you've been in that country, right, particularly out east you know that there's not very far that you can go before you run into stuff and the only way somebody would seriously be able to advance through that much terrain undetected is a freaking english speaking white dude right is if you know the freaking terrain and how did he know the terrain he was running around with the taliban that's how he was able to elude for so dang long before they finally recaptured him i think at that point that they threw him in a cage and were like now you're going to be a bargaining chip because you're no longer any good to us he just wanted to go home but, yeah, so that, that, uh, that judge that ended up doing that applied to be a federal judge under Trump for immigration. And because it falls directly underneath, like, the executive branch, that position, they looked at it and they said, okay, well, if this judge was presiding over the Bergdahl case, regardless of the fact that he pled guilty, right, regardless of the fact that he pled guilty, if he was presiding over the Bergdahl case, then uh, and he's applying to be a, a federal judge under Trump, then there's a conflict of interest there. And that's why they vacated that sentence.
1: And then no one's even going to talk about it anyway. We're probably the only ones in the world that even talk about Bo Bergdahl. But
0: but I it's crap. But hopefully, <laughs> because, I mean, the dude did plead guilty, hopefully they give him a worse punishment than just a dishonorable discharge. Hopefully they come back and be like, you know what, that judge, he wasn't thinking right. <laughs>
1: It wasn't of sound mind judgment when he did. Yeah, the, when so he made this call. you're
0: going back to prison for 14 years, which I think was the original <laughs> sentence that was on the table that what he was facing was something like 14 years, yeah.
1: No, uh, well, I mean, he's lucky cuz back in the day it would have been uh it would have been uh, death by firing squad or something. Yeah, what's crazy what was, to me. Is is that, guess Is that what it was or no? Yeah. yeah.
0: Guess guess how much of his paycheck, right? For I think it was like 4 or 5 years.
1: Didn't he get promoted to over there? Yeah, they promoted his
0: ass to sergeant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right, but like, guess guess how much money they ordered him to pay back out of that entire ordeal.
1: I hope it was (laughs) it because they
0: they pay for those that don't know. Like, even though he deserted, right, it was kind of unknown status because I don't think the U.S. wanted to admit, even though we had more than enough intelligence to suggest that he just defected. That's really what he did, right? We had more than enough intel to suggest that he defected, but we continued to pay him for that entire time he was gone, years. And continue to promote him. Guess how much of that money, after he pled guilty to those charges, he had to pay back.
1: I I honestly, got, I have no idea. I would like to hear it though.
0: Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars. Ten grand. That's oh, it. Good. Yeah, ten good. grand.
1: It sounds that sounds pretty American of us. That sounds pretty American. You can go ahead and fight against us, leave us, become a traitor. But nah, ten grand. That's all you got to pay back. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, I, I love being in America, but sometimes we do some really, really, really stupid stuff. I, I actually want to bring up some more, because I, cause I don't want to call I, sympathizer stories, but as you sit in Afghanistan for a while, I remember that one gentleman who actually, I think he switched his religion when we were over there. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, I know who you're talking about.
1: That was, I, to me, that like blew my mind. I wouldn't, he, did you ever think he became a sympathizer by any way?
0: No, he didn't. He just no. switched?
1: Yeah. Just randomly just switched? Was there a reason for it? I never even brought that up to you.
0: Because,
1: I mean, you and I knew the guy, and it really caught me off guard right when he...
0: He sw- actually saved my life. Really? Yeah.
1: just absolutely just went from being whatever he was, Christian, Catholic, straight to being Muslim, and I was like, this is...
0: Yeah, I, I talked to, talk to him about it quite a bit, actually. So random. But, yeah, no, it's... I mean, surely he was... He, he had a lot Muslim? of other things going on. Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. That's I so actually random. asked about that. Really? The other day. Yeah, I don't think so.
1: So random. Well, at least you tried it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you got to try everything once. Throw throw all the religions at the wall, see so which one sticks for you. I guess I mean, you only live once, if it that's the way it goes. Anyway, there has been uh, some stuff going on in Ukraine. I actually, I know you guys have been waiting for some mapping. I, I think there is a, a possibility. Yes, there is a chance that I'm not going to say um, weak counteroffensive. That's a terrible way to put it. Um, slow moving, slow moving, and somewhat not nearly successful counteroffensive. That everybody's been. Drastically hoping for, I, I think there's a possibility where they can actually be seeing some, some ground taken in certain areas, especially in the south. Possibly, I'm not saying that's going to be the case. Tony totally made a very valid point about the northern region, as well being a, uh, possibly playing a factor for the Russians, and I think the play there, you, what you had said, said, might be, actually pretty. Logical it's logical and, and, and feasible, but very I want to make sure. Let me actually pull this, a bigger version of this mapping up, because I need to make sure these people have an understanding where we're actually
0: sitting. So down in Odessa, it's very well known that Russia continues to target the grain silos, but they struck a grain silo far outside of Odessa near another NATO country. And we're talking a couple kilometers from the border. And there is a lot of talk that Russia pushing and striking these grain silos. One is an act of terrorism, which I would tend to agree. So if we were to go over and, and Google it, I mean, I, I don't even have to, I'll just fire off the, the the, what? the definition yeah. of pretty much what terrorism is. All right. It is using violence or the threatened use of violence in order to move a political agenda against a civilian population or religious agenda. The fact agenda. that
1: you've memorized that is very, I had to actually go and pull it when I, I've actually used this inside of an episode multiple times about what is the actual definition. I had to really go look it up. I was just like, I ah, just some asshole. Yeah. That's the best way I'd like to look at it. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. You know? But that's, that's the correct definition.
0: Yeah. So you have, you have Russia that's targeting these grain silos and there is no other viable military targets in and around them as they're striking these grain silos, particularly this other one. I want to say it was over near Romania. And it was right on the dang border. And there's people that are saying, "Hey, look, this is going to drive NATO closer to joining the Ukrainian conflict." And I would tend to disagree. I don't think NATO wants to jump in there. And I will refer you, all right, to a cruise missile that actually fell inside of Poland last uh, winter. It actually struck Poland, and at the time, Russia was doing a massive uh, missile and or cruise missile barrage on Ukraine. And one of the cruise missiles went way over inside of Poland and all the way over into central Poland and splashed down. And they just found the remnant side of it here. And I want to say it was the springtime, like April, April time frame. And now Poland, you can go check this stuff out. Poland's now saying, yeah, yeah, we confirmed it's a Russian cruise missile that ended up falling inside Poland. The thing is, is that Poland itself. Right. If Poland says, Hey, look, we got struck, we're in our, we're enacting Article five, we're gonna go to war with Russia, that's great. It's gonna drag everybody in, but nobody wants to do it. So we've already got evidence of cruise missiles being fired into NATO countries and we don't wanna deal with it. So I I, I just NATO's not gonna get sucked into this war. They're they're doing their best to push off. They're not they're not trying to get sucked in even with Overmounting mounting evidence that Russia has already fired cruise missiles inside Poland. Now it hit out in the middle of a forest. That particular cruise missile hit in the middle of a forest and it didn't kill anybody. But at the same time, it is military weapons that are fired inside of a sovereign country. I don't think Poland's got the stomach for it. I don't think NATO's got the stomach for it. I don't see NATO or Poland or anybody for that matter jumping in on this thing um, over one or two cruise missiles. It has to be an over blatant attack and Russia has to declare war. I would think that would drive NATO in. Well,
1: I know that's not going to happen. I know that I know the the mouthpieces. I was watching some Russian state TV this morning, which is my favorite thing to do in history. But they uh, they they made. I was I was actually going to insert some clips of this, but it's just not really worth you all's time. So I'll just give you guys the uh, cliff notes. Russia, same thing. They want to uh, push this. God, they keep talking. I don't know why they nukes. Have you guys seen Oppenheimer? Did you see Oppenheimer yet? I haven't seen Oppenheimer. Okay, so it's an interesting movie. He actually pulls a lot of females. My God, Oppenheimer was like a like a woman like he lo- he, he liked himself some ladies. Hmm. But they made it very apparent in the movie as well. He
0: uh, so Ben Franklin
1: did he? did he die of syphilis? Is that what it was?
0: Yeah, Ben Franklin died of syphilis. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, right, well. he also had a uh, I want to say he had an illegitimate child as well.
1: Okay, well he was like, with his
0: mistresses. Th- yeah,
1: good for him, but um. God, what was I going? Oh, nukes. So Rush is always talking about nukes, and I don't know why Open Harbor just made me think about it, but he, the gentleman who I was listening to was legitimately, he, he stated that they should be using, they have the uh, so. Well, God, I forget what it's, a, their, their 58 megaton, I forget what they call it. Uh, they they launched it back in the '60s. They tested it one time, but now they have one that they claim that we don't have the same size one. We couldn't. We don't have the capabilities of building one that big. And I'm like, what are you talking about? We're the ones that actually developed the f- like Russians. They, they 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 speak nonsense, but they were talking about actually testing their largest nuke, the Tsar Bomba. That there we go, Tsar Bomba. That's what it was, on the North Pole. Now this is not even a joke. That and, but. The guy that was the host of the show was talking about the. asked the guy, are you, are you actually being serious here? And the guy was like, yes, we need to test it and take out the North Pole so the rest of the world knows what we have. Like, they need to do a test on this thing. And I don't know if anybody was really taking them seriously, but this is the kind of mindset that we still have to deal with with the Russians on a daily basis. They want to expand their nuclear reach. And yes, nukes are a very big deterrent for another country to invade your <laughs> country, clearly. Like, clearly. But don't really think that's 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 going to be
0: i, I don't I, yeah I, I one if they blow up the north pole that is <laughs> it's
1: not gonna happen that is a world crisis <laughs> but it's what it's like they, saying, they can't do that it's but, but gonna it's, gonna
0: it's just dude it's the russian mindset and it's like that video that I told you about earlier where they're just talking about wiping Odessa off the map.
1: Yeah. That's, that's and they want to rebuild
0: it? it. They're like, you know what? We're going to just wipe Odessa off the map and then we'll just rebuild Odessa. And in the same video, the guy's like, and we'll wipe Lviv off the map. Like What? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? what? Throws Lviv out there. Dude, that's on the opposite side of the country. You want to wipe that thing down? You know how much? It, like histories in that city that you're just comfortable okay, with collapsing? Agree. It's nice. insanity, man.
1: Now, I'm going to tell you guys right now, there's no quick fix for anxiety and or depression. It's not like finding a therapist and starting an exercise routine, not more regular meditation or a better diet. Sometimes you actually need something to unlock your brain, like a new way of thinking about this this world we live in. Maybe that thing is guided ketamine therapy by Mindbloom. Now, there's a new tool to improve your mental health, and it's at-home ketamine therapy. Mindbloom is the leader in at-home ketamine therapy, having safely helped Thousands of people overcome their anxiety and depression. Unlike traditional talk therapy, ketamine works quickly and does not have the unpleasant side effects of traditional antidepressants. Now, a study of over 1,200 MindBloom clients, 89% reported improvements in their anxiety and depression in only two sessions. So right now, you guys can get Mind Bloom at a one hell of a deal because they're offering our listeners a $100 off your first six programs when you guys sign up at mindbloom.com forward slash rob and use promo code rob. All you have to do is go to mindbloom.com forward slash rob, use promo code rob, and you guys get a $100 off your first six sessions when you guys sign up. Now, I'll be linked the very top of the description. Take the first step and break free from anxiety and depression with mindbloom. That's mindbloom.com forward slash rob and use promo code Rob. So as we are making this episode, currently the Ukrainians are pushing on the southern portion of the country and it's between 100 and 120 vehicles. And it's not just MVs, it's like up-armored. Like we're talking from tanks to BMPs, IFVs, to just about everything you could possibly imagine. They're throwing in the southern portion of the country, just south of Orkiv, right here, just in this area. As we are making this episode, they're trying to make a push. Now we do know this area south in the Zaporizhia region. I, I, I'm i just going to kind of like randomly draw these lines here, but they're going to be somewhat kind of close. They have multiple layers. That is the Russians of very fortified defensive positions all along these lines. And when I mean like very fortified, it's like probably we haven't seen heavily fortified areas like this since World War II, but like probably this is, I'm going to be honest. With you, this is probably more heavily fortified than some of the areas in World War II inside of France. And that's because, just technology is a bit better nowadays. Now, these these areas are littered with minefields. Uh, there was a video I did watch, which I can't really share in here. Well, we might be able to share it, matter of fact, because no one gets killed in it. But they actually used a tank to overtake an area. And then the men scattered out of this trench, the Russians, and they ran across an open field. And it's an aerial view. Have you seen this video? Mm. It just came out. It's actually somewhat kind of funny because the guys are inside the talk, like watching them on uh, UAV. Yeah. And they're like, Oh look, I guess that my that field isn't mined because the Russians are just scattered running aimlessly across this field away from one of these Ukrainian tanks. I don't know. I was down in the same area. I mean
0: maybe that wasn't the intent but that would definitely <laughs> pop up in my mind if i was watching from overhead i'd really be like no. well dude, it's not mine it's not mine Is there yeah guys I, running over it? I, I don't know if that was their intent was to kick them out and be like go check it you know like we have <laughs> the lowest man concept when it comes to removing gas masks but i don't think that's what they were going for God, if the that's lowest. the case that's so fucked yeah
1: <laughs> that's a true thing though but this is, this is one of the areas over the next 24 to 48 hours you should probably take a look at. And then the other area is going to be Bachman. Now, we have looked at this area many of many of hours. I mean, look how many different little tiny red squares. I like using my maps more than others because I can actually see the ground and the terrain that was taken over time. It's not just one big blob. You know what I mean? Kind of like just a big blob. I get to actually physically see the ground the Russians have taken and how Minuscule, it actually got as it got closer and inside of the city. But now, what you're seeing on the southern portion of Blackmont, I mean, I'm, um, I'm By the way, did I say that correctly? Klishivka.
0: Klishika. I believe it's Klishvika. Yeah,
1: see, he, he speaks this kind of language. I just can look at a map.
0: Well, that's the, a pain in the ass when all the words are in English, when you're looking at the English version. So I got to switch back and forth between well, the two. Yeah.
1: You're, you're a little bit more intelligent than I know. I'm going to tell you guys right now. The Ukrainian defense minister has actually put out, like they announced it today, that they are killing Russian troops at a rate of eight to one. Do I believe that? Not entirely. I think it's more of a propaganda piece. Do I think they're probably kicking the teeth of the Russians in in this area? I do. For one, remember this whole area was basically controlled by Wagner, and I think there's been a a bit of a what what I I I, you I saw the term vacuum used in uh, about this area when it comes to the leadership roles mm-hmm. that are having to be assessed because of the Wagner pulling out and they control like that all their upper echelon of leadership with, you know, the top down is literally it's, had to be.
0: So the power vacuum comes from a lot of the generals being relieved over there. Of course there was the Wagner coup that ended up happening, but the generals themselves have been getting ripped out. I did a video on it while you were gone. It's like an ungodly number along that whole front that has been getting ripped out by Putin and they're either being arrested or being relieved. And they're going out. Notably over in Bakhmut, there was um, the airborne commander that was in charge of the, the entire airborne unit that was over there that ended up getting relieved and ripped out of there, like just ripped him out. And I said that that was going should be capitalized on by Ukraine because when you lose a commander like that, when you rip that commander out in that key location while they're in battle the way they've been, it's going to cause issues. Even if they promote the dude up from underneath, it's still going to cause problems it's it's still going to cause issues within the ranks and i think ukraine's capitalizing on that i saw a more conservative estimate on that area of about 5 to 1 yeah you know, as far as it goes but
1: 8 to 1 is just that doesn't seem i mean i guess it could be feasible depending but i i don't know 8 to 1 and you're going after defensively held positions it seems With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need Marketing wizards? Found them.
0: Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire?
1: And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Yeah, and it looks like Ukraine's going for the high ground. Uh, to the north and south of that city, and it, but here's here's the dang problem: is artillery works both ways, and when you when you take high ground in an artillery fight, you're in a horrible position.
1: So we are using. Well, I say we are. We all the cluster munitions. Did you see the cluster munitions? Yeah, yeah they started using them there. They so right now, I I can say that town. I do feel pretty comfortable saying, I believe roughly like this is where the gray zone would be. I guess you, the gray area would be, and I think halfway through that city, the Ukrainians or actually they have penetrated it. I know they have actually penetrated it to the south just a little bit. I think they're going to cut off that. This city you guys see here, or this town, Avika, I think they're going to cut these off. And right now, from what I can honestly say, which I don't want to say that I'm 100% on because things could change, I think the Russians are actually pushing, are pulling out of these two areas and pushing to other defensively held positions, more than likely trying to maintain this route, Correct. That is the more most likely course of action I would assume is gonna happen is the Russians need and we need to hold this route. So I think they, they're they're able to give up these two areas in order to hold that route because they cannot they don't want to lose any route in and out of the, the city itself because they are losing ground in the northern portion. It has not been as quickly as we thought it would have been. Remember on the northern side of Krasnohora, I still have them labeled on this map. These these blue little dotted lines right there, those are really like, when I mean like trench systems, those are some trench systems. Now, I would assume since this has been about two months, those trench systems probably have expanded quite a bit and are probably a little bit more fortified. And you guys remember how long it took the Russians to take this area? Imagine how long and how difficult it's going to be for the Ukrainians to actually push through if... But I can see why they want to cut off the southern portion of bakhmut It's going to force them to shift troops, and this whole area with the Russians creating a vacuum, I guess you would say. Imagine when the bakhmut or excuse me, when the Wagner group did pull out of here, they had to replace all those troops. I think by now, I think everybody kind of had knows their role and what to do. So I don't think there's probably any. I don't know. I guess I could be an idiot because I'm so used to having decent leadership in the military. But I would assume they're probably not having massive issues in this area with who like people's objectives and their jobs and their roles, right? You know what I mean? Like after you pull out that that amount of leadership, you have to fill those gaps. So I would assume by now in this area, the Russians at least have that under control, right? Uh, Yeah, I
0: would hope so. But I mean, it's not just that; it's what it does for morale of those troops. Yeah, like the the morale of those troops is what's going to be huge, like especially in that area. Especially in that area where you've got Wagner guys that are like, screw it, we're out, and then their generals are against it, and you've got these guys on the front line that are getting their crap pushed in.
1: <laughs> I, know, I know the Wagner, uh, the, who, uh, what's a guy, Belgorod, uh the president, uh, Lushenko, who's actually sitting inside of Moscow, meeting with Putin right now, and he extended his stay. because I, I don't know if, Lush, is, is he trying to utilize his, the fact that he has Wagner inside of
0: Belarus? But it's not even that many. It's not even that many, yeah, and yeah. Wagner's inside Belarus, yeah, and they're and they talking about like Wagner is going to, like redeploy up towards the Baltic states and things like that, and they're going to be setting. But like, that's all great, but they're they're not going to. I mean, they're they're moving up there, but they're not going to go in and start taking that terrain. It's just I, not gonna
1: I'm going to go ahead and shift us a little bit north here. So Bachmatt is south. So here's where we're just sitting. We're going to go all the way this way, okay? And I got a little bit more detailed map. We're going to look at. This is an area we haven't talked about, in. I don't know, months. As you guys do know, the Russians did control all this area and the Ukrainians pushed them out within a two-week span. It was actually very, very impressive. And ever since that time, we thought that Sivitov was going to go. We thought this area was going to go because I remember, I even have it annotated on the map still that that bridge has been taken out. I thought the Ukrainians were going to be able to push, but it became this mega stalemate and it just stopped. Now, as you know, and you brought up, the Russians are starting to actually push through just a little bit. They have over the last couple of days. You guys see this little nipple that's pointing out on the east, or excuse me, the western portion of Sivatov. I'm just going to use the Sivitov area as a region. This is.
0: That's the know. area where Russia is said to have amassed right around 100,000 troops.
1: Is it on Sivatov or is it north of Kupyansk?
0: Unknown. Unknown. Supposedly in in that general vicinity.
1: Okay, so I'm going to go. I'm going to punch into a little bit closer map for you guys. Here you go. So this is the same area. So here's Kupiansk right here. Now Kupiansk is one of the areas that was pretty, pretty vital for this entire Northern region. Now what he is thinking, and that's Mr. Matthew Tardio, is that the Russians are going to attempt to push all the way over here to Barovo, take Barovo so they can actually maintain access to get across the river. Cause of course you have a bridge right here, but this also gives them access to this main road that leads up into Kupiansk so that they can push down from the North. Okay. Hit them from two fronts. Makes a little bit of sense. Now, that would be another reason why they'd be amassing all these troops up in the northern portion of the country. And it gets you thinking. So, if Wagner was able to push down out of Belgrade, or excuse me, excuse me, Belgrade, out from Belarus down into the northern portion of Ukraine, that would make a little bit of sense why they'd be staged up there and they're pushing all these men amassing here. Okay.
0: I, I don't think they're going to do that. Because when they moved, like, that was the most overt movement of troops that's ever been done in history when it goes to that. And Ukraine's already reinforced. Their, their northern border outside of Kiev. Like they, they've already gone up and been like prepared for this crap. So
1: now, if you're telling me that the northern portion of Ukraine is impenetrable, then there's absolutely no way. I'm there. not
0: saying it's impenetrable. I'm saying that it was really dumb of them to do that because Ukraine's already moved troops up there in the event that that happens. They've already moved troops up. And like when, when we talk about the amount of troops that have been prepared for this counteroffensive, they said it was like 60,000 or something. Ukraine's got to keep some in reserves to be able to flex and push to different areas. They can't just commit everybody to fight all at once. It's stupid, right? And those are their trained troops. A lot of the troops that they have on the front line are their untrained troops, the guys that they're just rounding up in cities and sending up there. I was seeing videos of Ukrainians that literally got brought up to the front line, like out towards the east, and they're still teaching them how to shoot rifles and RPGs and shit like that because they don't know how to do it. And they're they're they literally taking him out into fields and being like, here, come shoot it's this thing. It's kind of crazy
1: to me. I'll see that there's there's uh, guys inside of Ukraine that are around that are younger than me. I guess I mean I, f- I feel like I'm so young, but I'm not. But that are, I am young, but you know what I mean, like lower twenties that are not prepped and actually fighting and training as if they're going to get caught like that, that, that to me is, is actually somewhat it's, kind of crazy. It's just
0: another culture like picture America. If that was to happen in America, there's plenty of men in this country and I hate to call them men, but there's plenty of military aged males, if you will, that are scared. Well,
1: oh, I mean, I, and, and they I don't, don't want to, they too. don't want to be a part
0: of it. I mean, and that's why they're going around random rounding folks up because I mean, <laughs> they saying, exist. They just don't want to do it. Saying
1: Everybody's scared. I'm scared. You're scared. Everybody's scared. Anybody who says they're not scared of, of going to wars is an idiot. You're scared. Everybody's but, scared.
0: But I think that hundred thousand troop number that you're looking at over there out to the east. I don't. I don't see them really pushing out of Belarus to to launch another attack on Ukraine. But what I do see is them coming out of Russian territory and some of the territory that Russia has claimed inside of Ukraine so far in order to push down and take Kupiansk and then keep driving towards Kharkiv. If they do that, they're able to divert those forces. You know, that 100-plus tanks that you were talking about that are yeah. moving down there, they're, they're going to have to divert those forces in order to go stop them from no, riding would, on and taking more they terrain. They
1: wouldn't be able to do that, though. Those they, They've already committed them. There's no way that they'd be able to shift that force in that region. Correct. It, there's just, it's just not possible. Correct. Because once, once you start with that that mass, you know what I mean? That's and just, the amount
0: of time it would take them to move yeah, off the, the line be. and get up there, yeah, they'd have to happen. go and reinforce and cut them off somewhere, so Russia's liable to take a lot more terrain yeah, if they happen. do it that way. If see, anything, they're 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 dividing forces and they're 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 slowing Ukraine's advance further just by doing these pushes.
1: God, it's time is not on Ukrainian side. I said this multiple times. I just don't think that it's on their side at all, really. The attrition rate, I mean, from what we from what we see is probably a bit higher than what the the public public pushes out. And I know that you guys here watching this. Most of you guys are sitting here watching they're sue super invested in the Ukrainian war, but you guys do not like the fact that sometimes we're somewhat honest about somewhat honest, really honest about so it's just
0: Russia claimed that it was like twenty six thousand troops that, that had on the Ukrainian side that had been killed in the offensive operation, which that comes from russia so take that number as you will ukraine's or i'm sorry it wasn't ukraine it was another independent source i saw that I was looking and said the number was likely between like five and six thousand somewhere around there okay so five thousand mm-hmm. troops in a month they don't have that many months before they become combat ineffective at that rate
1: think about how many battalions or just company elements actually you can just say battalions at that point are going to be combat ineffective at that you how long it takes to train. You know how long it takes to train an individual to be actually somewhat competent. at
0: Well, and I and I mentioned it. I want to say it was last week. I was talking about there's Ukrainian forces that are being dropped off along this front line in little ten man groups. They're they're kicking out squad size elements and just telling them to hold the line, or what it would appear to be in some of these videos, and just telling them to hold the line. And then Russia goes and assaults, and that's how Russia's capturing some of these guys. And they're those untrained soldiers that are up on the front line that are just being told dropped off. Hey. Here, hold this area.
1: That's really happening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. See, that's I I I'm, I'm becoming more of a believer after uh, after all this. Uh, I think I think it's going to come down to a negotiation. They're going to give up a chunk of ground. They're going to say you can keep Crimea and they're just going to call it quits. Here,
0: here's what I think is going to happen. I think the U.S. is going to continue to supply as many munitions as we can to hold Russia in the current ground that they're at after the next presidential election here in the United States, right after the next presidential election here in the United States, I see them cutting or threatening going to Ukraine and threatening to cut off our ammunition supply being like, look, we've given you munitions for the last, you know, umpteen months. And you guys have retaken a vast amount of terrain. You're kind of there. We can't afford to keep pumping these munitions out towards you every single black. Like, not, not only that, we just can't keep up with them right now. And, so what we're going to do is we're going to threaten to cut off munitions to Ukraine. We're going to tell Ukraine, you know what? We're just not going to supply anymore. NATO's going to follow suit, and we're going to use it as a bargaining chip with Russia. We're going to go to Russia, and we're going to bargain for the east to go to Russia and make force Ukraine to settle. Because if we basically cut off the flow of supplies, Ukraine's got nothing. They might want to continue to fight, but they're going to be out of weapons and equipment in no time. And they're not going to be capable of fighting. They're not, and it's going to force Ukraine to come to the table, and it's going to it's going to put Russia in a very good position to save face. I think that's what's going to happen.
1: At this point, I mean, I don't I don't see it not happening because they don't have the. Do,
0: do you honestly see Ukraine like if if we were to look? And I mean, honestly, and this isn't this is trying to be completely totally unbiased. Do you really think Ukraine has the capability to even retake uh, Crimea at this point?
1: No, not right now.
0: Not right now. I mean, they would have to, I mean, they damage that bridge. they damage the Kerch Bridge, but they'd have to completely and totally blast that thing. They'd have to cut that, that sucker off. I feel
1: bad kind of saying this shit, though, because the, all the men that have died trying to take it, it's almost like it was for nothing at this point if they can't actually make it happen. I wouldn't
0: say it's for nothing because, I mean, if, if Ukraine did not fight back against Russia when they had initially invaded, yeah. Russia would own that country right now. No, I'm talking
1: about bit. right now. Talk about like On the offensive, off. yes. where we're at right now. Yeah. Yes.
0: And that's one of the things that kind of like nobody likes it's... nobody likes war and we all like to sit back and say, you know, this is this is what's good. You know what I mean? But I don't think most people can even like picture that. I mean, I, I know I said five thousand dead Ukrainians in the in the counteroffensive over the last month was a conservative estimate. Think about that. Five thousand in a month. And then multiply that over the next several months and multiply that times what's already taken place inside of that country. Ukraine's had some serious population loss. And so is Russia. Hundreds of thousands. That's a lot of dead people. A lot of dead people inside that inside that country. And I, I For both sides to be pushing as hard as they are, and, and I understand why they are, but is that cost actually worth it? Like risk versus reward.
1: On the Ukrainian side, they would say yes. Ukraine the side, side
0: would say yes because the Ukraine let Russia have Crimea after they annexed that thing, and they were, Ukraine wasn't in a position at that time to go and to go and kick Russia out of Crimea. I wish they were, but they weren't. Like if you remember a long time ago, us looking at those videos of the, like the early days of the war, no. all the way back and how unorganized they were. The only reason they're really at where they're at right now is because of Western forces helping them out. Because of the West coming in and training them and supplying equipment and and doing everything because we saw this coming from a mile away. That's the only reason Ukraine's at where it's at right now. So if we cut off that, if we cut them off and say we're no longer supporting you, it's going to force them to go into this bargain and to strike a peace deal. It's going to. No, I agree. I think when Trump sat there and he was like, I'd have that war. I hate using the T word on the show because it triggers apparently a lot of people. But when he said that he'd have the deal done in a day, I think this is what he's talking about.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea.
0: Because Trump's not going to go in and tell Putin back off or I'm going to send in, like, the U.S. forces. Putin would be like, have at it, boss.
1: No, because if if America was going to do that, Biden would have done it by now. Who knows what will happen the next year? I have no idea. All right, well, stay tuned. I think there's going to be a bit of movement happening when it comes to uh the eastern and southern portion of this country i do love you guys i'll catch you guys here in a couple days i'm out of here